0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. So in two weeks, I will be in sunny Mexico. that will be fun. So, Taxco, Mexico. So, i got to get my flip-flops out. Um, so, that'll be fun. Awesome. Well, this weekend has been really uh, fun. It's been busy. Friday at, after... Work uh, left with uh, 28 young people from New Day, Kalamazoo, uh, Nichols, and, and Vine, and we drove to, to Sturgis to the, uh, the annual Ignition Youth Conference. And it is all, always a, a good time hanging out. I was in charge of seven young men, and that was fun. I got home last night about midnight, um, so I'm ready to go. Amber got up this morning, she's like, I didn't know you were going to be happy today. I'm like, oh. what are you talking about? I'm always happy. I'm always happy. So today, uh, so bear with me. Um, we are going to be continuing our series. Can we switch that to the other input? We're going to be continuing uh, talking about the inward journey. And today, we're going to be looking at the, the importance of prayer and praise in the inward journey. All right? That's an important part. And we're actually going to kind of look at how our response to difficulties, how our response to, to pressures in life actually reveals our hearts. Right? It actually reveals um, our core beliefs. Right? And so today's scripture, Paul says in Philippians, we're kind of slowly moving through uh, the last couple chapters of Philippians, um, and here in Philippians 4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? And this is a great verse for us today and every day, right? because life can be hard. Right? Has anybody noticed? That's not, not just me. So life can be hard. right? There's all sorts of stuff. Family tensions, financial difficulties, maybe unfulfilled hopes and dreams, improperly plugged in HDMI cables, right? problems at work. Jealousy, sickness, all these things. things It just seems like there's a multitude of things that just make life hard, right? Um, but our response to these difficulties, our response to these pressures, it really reveals what we actually believe. It reveals what is kind of working in our hearts. And it reveals where we have really placed our faith. Um, so that The actions, the action of prayer, the action of praise... It, it should be our default action. That's what Paul is saying here. Not worry, not fear, not gossip, not slander, but praise and worship and prayer. Right? And because what our actions do, it, it defines, you know, is our faith in our own efforts? right? Is our faith in our own goodness or our, our own uh, ability to keep all the plates spinning? right? Or is our faith ultimately in God? And so to, to look at this verse, I'm actually going to jump back into a great story uh, from 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, the story of Jehoshaphat. 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 Um, and so Jehoshaphat was one of the couple of good kings that Judah had. Right? He was leading his people towards greater faithfulness, to God, he lived in Jerusalem, he's hanging out there, kind of reinstating some, some judges and some, some religious activities after um, some trouble in, in Judah, right? And then he hears, all of a sudden, somebody comes in and he says that the Moabites and the Ammonites and some other people are coming to wage war on Judah, right? And that's where we're going to pick up the, the story here in Second Chronicles 20, starting in verse 1. Uh, so after this, uh, so he's getting things in order. Everything's going well. After things are going well, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Maunites come to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat, and I'm stopping at that point, right? Where the verse goes on, we will continue verse three in a moment. But we see that that Jehoshaphat is alarmed; he's uh, maybe even nervous. You know, uh, you know, wouldn't any of us be. You know, we're just going along, living our lives, doing well, seeking God, and all, all of a sudden, you know, this situation that we can't handle comes up. Right? Suddenly, uh, uh, we are we're the. Sorry. Uh, the situation that he can't handle gets thrown into his lap and all these people are, are coming to wage war on him. And and maybe something like that has happened to you. I know it's happened to me, not necessarily uh, nations coming to attack me, um, but just, I'm just going about my life and all of a sudden there's this trouble hits. The furnace breaks, right? Uh, some relationship that's important to me gets really rocky. Life or work gets really busy. I can barely keep up, or maybe you know a loved one gets sick, something that just makes you feel like you've been thrown into the deep end of the pool and you've forgotten how to swim, right? And you're alarmed and you don't know what to do. So in the midst of this uh, alarming situation, how do you react? I've heard, not probably anybody here, but I've heard that some people in difficult situations seek comfort in things like food, drink, drugs, uh, I don't know, porn, video games, books, TV, Netflix, you know? Just looking for some release from the stress, trying to find a way to deal with the worry, to kind of get this difficult situation out of our minds because we're anxious and we're fearful. right? But the thing is that those actions, they reveal our core beliefs. You know, If we act like we are on our own, that we need to take care of ourselves, Maybe it's because we don't believe that God's actually going to help us. Because there's this reality, right, that what we believe leads to our behavior, right? Very rarely do we behave outside of what our beliefs tell us to do. And so what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about others and God will always influence our behavior, right? So what... Do you, uh, how do you respond to life's difficulties? How do you respond to the, the troubles that kind of come and attack you? How you respond is going to reveal something about your heart. So if during a busy season of life, I put quiet time with God or you know, spending time with God kind of on the side and I am plan to, to pick him up again when things settle down, which I would never do that. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? But that, maybe that flows out of this belief that God isn't actually very helpful in life, right? Maybe it means that I actually believe that I better take care of myself because I'm the only one that is going to do it. And if a, if a difficult situation always leads to worry, fear, doubt, and stress, And because of those fears and doubts and stresses, we turn to gossip and slander and food and drink, drugs, porn, whatever it is, to forget about it, to ease the pain. Right? That flows out of this core belief that that God's not in control. It flows out of this belief that God doesn't care about my situation, that God's not going to help me in the midst of this. So I have to deal with myself. I have to ease the pain myself. And if our beliefs are ultimately that we are in charge, that that we can handle it, that we are on our own, then we actually might have more of a a humanist worldview than we do a Christian worldview, which would be bad as Christ followers. It's bad as Christ followers. All right, so what is humanism? Humanism, uh, according to Google, is an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanist beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings, emphasize common human needs, and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. So a humanist, somebody with this kind of a humanist worldview, is going to be like, well, we're going to have to handle it. There's no supernatural power that is going to come in and save the day. A, A humanist... Uh, Would not have come up with the battle strategy, right? To well, let's march around Jericho six times, right? And then we're going to do it one more time, but we'll be blowing trumpets, and the walls are going to fall down, right? That it would never happen, right? Because a humanist is like, well, that's not how life works. That's not how things work. So what's a what's a real strategy we can come at here, Joshua, right? But Christianity is different because we believe in a supernatural God a God that transcends the the natural, that transcends kind of our secular worldview, right? Um, And Christianity uh, is defined as a religion based on the person and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth or its beliefs and practices. I felt like that definition, thank you, Google, was a little bit inadequate. I feel like they're maybe missing some stuff. And and so I think this is this is my uh, hopefully more accurate Christian uh, worldview, right? Uh, an, an outlook or system of thought that attaches prime importance to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and died through crucifixion under Pontius Pilate, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead on the third day and ascended into heaven. A system of thought which believes that the supernatural and miraculous events recorded in the Bible are true and that God is still at work in our lives today, supernaturally. That the great transcendent God is not far off and uncaring, but He is close. He loves us. He is our source. He is our comfort. He continues to speak and guide us today. Christianity is a system of thought that this real, living, and close God cares about us and is for us. That the believes that he is our protector and our provider, that he is coming back to set everything right and to fully restore his kingdom. That is a slightly more at, adequate, I think, definition of Christianity. right? But what do our behaviors reveal about our worldview? Right? If, if someone had to decide whether you're a humanist or a Christian merely by watching your life, which would they choose? And to be honest, a lot of times I think if people kind of got that, you know, the, the, the fly-on-the-wall view of my life, they'd probably say, that guy's a humanist that talks a lot about Jesus. but am I willing to put my faith and my trust in Jesus? So let's get back to the story. So Jehoshaphat is alarmed, right? And so what does Jehoshaphat do? There he is. That's actually just a drawing. It's an artist's rendering of Jehoshaphat. It's um, So how does this work? Uh, so what happens? So alarmed, Jehoshaphat freaks out, and hides in the closet. No, that is not what happens. Right? Alarm. Jehoshaphat says, "Bring me the whiskey." <laughs> mm. No. Uh, right? Jehoshaphat is alarmed, so he says, "I'm gonna go binge watch Stranger Things on on Netflix." Anybody seen Stranger Things? No. Good. No Netflix. Really? What do you binge watch? <laughs> How do you deal with stress? I don't understand. So, alarmed, Jehoshaphat sits down and cries in three gallons of cookie dough ice cream. There. No, he doesn't do that. This is what actually happens, right? Uh, Jehoshaphat, alarmed, resolved to inquire of the Lord. Oh, that seems like a good idea. He proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, there's a lot of scripture here, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt, so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Back in verse nine, says, you know, he's praying to the Lord, and he says, you know, if calamity comes upon us and we don't know what to do, we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. That is what they had decided. That's a, that was their faith. That's what they were believing in, right? And then here at the at the end, right, in verse 12, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So he's putting his faith into action by seeking the Lord in the midst of this terrifying situation, the situation that is way too big for him. And so, Jehoshaphat, right, the people of Judah, they're responding by seeking God, by trusting Him. You know, are they freaked out? I would guess they are freaked out. Yeah, are they out of their death? Yes, they are. But they stood on the promises of God's protection in faith. And so, what does this reveal about Jehoshaphat's core beliefs? Right, it, it, he believed that God was real, right? He believed that God was good, that God. Cared and that God was willing and able to intervene on Judah's behalf. His faith was in God. It was not in his own strength, his own wisdom, his own military power, his own political power, or anything else. Solely his faith was in God. And I think this is a fantastic example, right, of how you and I should respond in times of trouble to seek God first. And I googled what first means. It means coming before all others in time or order. It's the first thing we should do. Thanks, Google. That's better than your Christianity definition. So, yeah, so it's first. It means first. Seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. right? And, and so Jehoshaphat knew that he couldn't solve this problem. Right, We see it right there in verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Right, And this is a great prayer. Right, This is perhaps a, a prayer that I should memorize. Maybe we should all memorize, at least the second part. Right? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So whatever that situation is, whatever that difficulty, whatever that insurmountable thing that, that is coming against you, can you just pray, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And so then all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazael, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. And he said, so this prophet says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, in all who live in Jeru- Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Did I miss it? Yes. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Well, that seems like good news. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. (laughs) You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. And so Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I probably should have read some of those names through before service. That's all right. So so what do we see here? We see uh, the the Judahites and Jehoshaphat uh, doing these three things. They, we see them praying, seeking God, right? Going, we don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do? And then they stop. They wait, right? They don't just kind of go, God, will you help us? And then just bluster through and we're like, well, I hope he blesses this. Get the army, right? But they stop and wait and listen to see what the, the Lord would say. Right, And so Jehoshaphat and Judah waited on God. While this enemy is marching toward them, Judah is waiting. And so this is their faith in action. Their trust was in God. They they waited and listened and received a word from him about how to proceed. You know what? This is actually applicable to us today. Did you know that, that God is actually still speaking to his people? That's good news. Uh, Jesus says, in John 10:27, "My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me." Like we are supposed to be in dialogue with Jesus. We can learn how to hear His voice. And when we are in difficult, over-our-head situations, we can expect that God wants to come, He wants to guide us, He wants to give us a battle plan. He wants to encourage us and show us. Which way to go? And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of Bible reading and spending time in the Word and how God will speak to us through His unfailing, inerrant Word, right? But we also want to press into hearing God's voice through the Spirit, right? God wants to speak guidance and encouragement and comfort throughout the day, right? And often through the Bible, but often through that small, quiet whisper that we have to kind of be still, and turn our attention to God to see what He has to say. And so, as I was preparing this sermon, I was in the midst of this relatively crazy week, and it was one of those, one of those times. You're really busy. This probably never happens to you, but I was really busy, and I kind of did that thing where I kind of was looking at my to-do list, and usually at the top is like devotions or quiet time or something. I was like. Well, I'm just going to remove that, and I'm going to stick it over here for a little bit. All right? Because I was really busy, and I had stuff that I actually had to get done. And it felt like spending that half hour praying wasn't the most effective use of my time. I figured, God knows I'm busy. He knows I'm working hard. He, probably, he definitely knows what I already need, so he can just kind of just do, do it, right? Um, and... And in those kind of situations, after after a couple weeks of that, I get kind of angry. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. <laughs> uh, so I get kind of angry, kind of stressed out, kind of short. And uh, and so I was in the I was in a staff. This is this is just me being transparent. So, this is between us. Don't tell Cameron. Um, and so I'm sitting in this staff meeting. And I'm super busy. Right? I got all this stuff to do. And we always start staff meetings with, with prayer. And people are praying, everything's going good. And I'm just like, come on, what? He gets it, let's move on. So I, I need to write this sermon. I got stuff going on. And, and Anthony, I love Anthony, he just he, he prays. And I think this was the Spirit of the Lord using him. He's like, God, thank you that stress and busyness is not a badge of honor in ministry. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. What is, what, what is, he, what is he even doing? <laughs> like stress and busyness is ministry. What, what's wrong with you? All right, uh, and, and I was just, I was, I was irritated. But we got through, got through that busy day. And so all this stuff happens. I never get a chance to, I've got to prepare my sermon. I've got to prepare this sermon. And it's about rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord and, and casting your cares on him. I didn't know what to do. I was like, maybe I could just, I just Google rejoice or I could look it up in the Greek. I've got I've got a I've got five semesters of Greek. I'll just use that and I'll make something up. It'll be great. Right? And so uh and so I was stressed about it. The day. And so the next day, I work late that night, don't get anything done. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get up early. And I'm gonna go to the church, get I get to the church about 7:15, 7. 7:30. 7. I'm like, I'm gonna write my sermon. And then the Lord shows up. And and he has the nerve. <laughs> the Lord shows up, and he's like, why don't you, why don't you pray for 15 minutes? And I'm just like, oh. I'm like, I'm in a bad place. And I'm just like, all right, fine. You know, I, you know I, I, I believe in prayer. I believe in Jesus. I don't really have time for this right now, but all right, I will pray for, for 15 minutes. And so I just kind of walk around the church. Nobody's there. Just praying in tongues for 15 minutes. And I'm like, all right, got through that. Uh, like and then the Lord's like, why don't you why don't you pray for another half hour? And I'm just like, come on, <laughs> like, you're pushing it. No, I didn't say that. I said yes, Lord. <laughs> I, and so I I just continue just walking around the church, praying in tongues, just asking Him to to come and and fill me and to help me. And then it's it's and I'm, but I'm kind of watching my watch. <laughs> I don't have a watch. I'm watching the clock. I'm like, all right, praying, 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 and. Then it's about 10 minutes to that when I'm going to start working on my sermon. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you lay down? And I'm like, oh. like, like Laying down is the worst, because I, I am a, I'm a doer. I like to get things done. And you can't get anything done when you're laying down. Um, and so I'm, I'm laying, and so I'm like fine and so I lay there and all of a sudden God just drops this idea into my into my head. Like I don't I don't preach a lot out of the, the, the old Old Testament. All my my studies right now, I'm spending a lot of time in the new in the New Testament and the, the verse Cameron gave me to preach, right, was from Philippians, New Testament. So I'm not even thinking about Old Testament stuff. It's not even in my brain. And God's just like Do you remember that story where the where the, the, the worship team led the army? I'm just like, yeah, I don't know where it is. I had to Google it, and uh, I don't know how people pastored before Google. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh, Mark, they studied the Bible. Oh, (laughs) that's good. Um, And so, and so, I, where am I going with this story? My point being that as I like, I wanted, I felt like I was on my own. That I had to get this done. Like, if I'm going to write this sermon, or if this sermon's going to get written. Right? I've got to do it. I've got to kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and get the job done. Because I'm good at that. Like, I can get stuff done. Right? But God was saying, Whoa, why don't, why, why don't you put into action what you're actually going to preach in a couple days? Right? Why don't, you're stressed out. You're anxious. You're, you're worried. And, and, and your response is to, to put me to the, to the side and just press in with your own strength? That is ridiculous. And so that... Uh, where am I at? I'm still... I'm laying on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I'm laying on the floor. And God just comes, and it just brought this, this amazing lightness to my spirit, right? All this kind of anger and irritation... I, I forgave Anthony. You didn't do anything. He's great. It was brilliant. And sometimes God just uses people, right? It's just like Ugh. and so anyway, so and it's just a little example, you know, to show what we can that we can expect that God wants to show up, that God wants to speak, that God wants to lead, He wants to take care of us. And so by by stepping into prayer, I'm actually rewriting um, my my heart, right? This idea in my heart that I have to get everything done under my own power—that all I have access to is my own wisdom—should be, should be a warning sign right there, right? That that rewriting this idea that I have to get everything done by my own effort, right? And I'm and by seeking God, by taking time to pray, to pray, I'm allowing God to to conform my heart to His truth, right? That He's acting that He's personal, that He loves me, that He cares about this situation that I'm in, and that He wants to help me. You know, and so what about you guys? You know, is there something in your life that you have been trying to solve on your own, but you don't know what to do? You feel like you've been thrown into the deep end of the pool. You know, and maybe you've been stressed, you've been anxious, you've been worried, or you've been running to who knows what to deal with that stress. What if you chose to believe God? right? What if you chose to, to seek Him first and just to stand there and go, or lay there, and say, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. God, I don't know how to solve this problem at work. God, I don't know why this person is, is so angry at me, or maybe I do, but I don't know how to solve it, like, I don't know why my kids are acting like this, God. But my eyes are on you. Right? God, I don't know, oh, you know, I don't know why, you know, my loved one got sick. I don't understand. It seems terrible, but my eyes are on you. God, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my mortgage this month, but my eyes are on you. I'm gonna finish up the story here and. Verse 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So the Lord gives Jehoshaphat a bit of an odd strategy here, right? They, they, they put the worship team in front of the army. And that just seems like a, a terrible idea. Like, Chris, I don't know if you guys know Chris Flaw from, from New Day Vine. Um, he's kind of the, he was in the Marines. He's a big, tough guy, right? And then there's me, the guitar player. Like, if there was something bad happening, you know, if somebody was coming to attack us, nobody would be like, let's send Mark. <laughs> like, that would be the worst decision. They'd be like, where's Chris? Does he have his gun? You know, like... Like the, It just doesn't make any sense, right, to, to send the worship team. But they do, and they go out there give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And there's no breakthrough at this point. They're worshiping and giving thanks to God, and there's still three armies trudging towards them. And in verse 22, it says, As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. What? The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. That's crazy talk, right? When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could carry away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. That is why it is called the Valley of Barakah today. Barakah means praise. There you go. The Then... Led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Amen. Right? The Judites put the worship team in front of the army. Right? Again, not a classic military strategy, but look at what happens. Right? In verse 22 it says, As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. It was amazing. God guided them to put their faith into action. They chose to do that, right? They chose to to seek God and to trust God, to do what He said that He was going to do. And as they walked it out, as they put their faith into action... God sets up ambushes for the invading army. And then they turned on one another. Right? And so then not only does God take what was meant for their destruction and protect them, but he also gives them plunder. Like, I think that's amazing. right? What the, the enemy means for defeat, God can turn around and can use for your blessing. And what was the result of this? In verse 30, it says that it was peace. The kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. I maybe skipped a little bit there. It's in there somewhere. Oh there's a there's a there's a, a picture of a dead army. <clears throat> so right, so God gave them rest on every side. Their army was the, the enemy was dead. It was prayer and praise that saved the day for Jehoshaphat. It was putting his faith in God into action, even in the face of these overwhelming odds. And God comes through big time for Jehoshaphat and Judah, giving them peace on all sides and more plunder than they could even carry. And so this correlates with our verse for today, which is uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Just like Jehoshaphat did. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Just like God did for Judah and Jehoshaphat. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious about everything, but in every situation, Prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Right, this can be difficult, and I I know, right. So often, like it's just easy to put God to to the to the side because we can't see him, we can't feel him. Feels like we're on our own, right? But and we 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 act like he's far off and aloof, that he doesn't care, that he cannot, that he will not help us. If anything's going to happen, right, we need to make it happen. Oh, we got to buckle down. But as Christ followers, with a supernatural worldview, we need to align our behaviors with what we claim to believe. To align our behaviors with the truth that God is good. right? That that God loves me and He cares about me. That I'm not alone to handle this situation. That I don't need to have all the answers all the time. That God is trustworthy. That prayer is effective. Right? And that God responds to faith. God responds to faith. And even if we don't feel it, right? You know, maybe this morning we were worshiping and you didn't really feel it, right? But there's a time where we just step into it regardless of what we feel because we believe that it's powerful. Right? Because God responds to that faith. And prayer and worship are faith in action. And so these should be our just our natural response to every situation, good or bad. But especially, it's difficult in those difficult, bad, tough, over our head situations to kind of turn away from God and try to fix it ourselves. I can figure this budget out, right? I can figure out how to get this done or that done or whatever, right? But we need to learn to put our trust in God. And so I encourage you. Uh, this, you know, this. This is not a semester, this quarter, as we're talking about the inward journey, right, to to put this into action, to to look at how your you know, your normal reactions to difficulties, what does that reveal about your core beliefs? And is are you more likely to go get a a a bottle of, of whiskey or watch Netflix than actually seek God when these problems come up? And if you realize that I believe in God, but my actions aren't lining up, I encourage you, line your actions up. Just do it. Just repent and line your actions up with God and put your faith in Him. Because as we look to God, as we behold God, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as, as we behold His glory, uh, He uh, conforms us, He transforms us into Christ's image. Right? And so this is why it's such an important part of the inward journey, answering that question, who am I, do I have what it takes? in right? dealing with all the junk in the, in, in the garbage that's in, that can uh, block us, that can keep us from living the full, abundant, joyful lives that God has for us. Amen? So will you stand? Well, I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. God, I thank you that you are good. Yes. Father God, I thank you that you are supernatural. God, I thank you that you are not far off and aloof, but you care about each and every situation that we're facing. God, I pray that every person here that may be facing something that they don't know how to handle, God, that they would stop, that they would pray, and that they would wait, and that you would come and show up in their lives, God, that you would reveal your strategy, God, God, and that they could see you come through for them. We just look forward to the testimonies that are going to come from that, Father God. We just thank you. God, I just bless each one here. Let them know your love in a deeper way today. And we just give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.